Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, good morning, good morning. (laughs) I was worried about you for just a second. Welcome to The Rock of Gainesville. If you're here in the auditorium, certainly glad that you are here today. If you're watching online, we welcome you also. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, I know many of you, just like me, are really, really, really ready to get Pastor back on this platform. Come on, say amen. So uh, nobody more than me, especially today. Come on now. Uh, But uh, he's not quite 100% kind of coughing along with the hip thing. So we're just continuing to pray uh, for total healness, welling, well, heal, wellness and healing in his body. He got some welling too, uh, but just for him to get back 100% strong. So in the meantime, yeah. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Again, thank you, Pastor George and Pastor Suzanne, for the opportunity to, uh, to share today and teach a little bit on some things that have been kind of stirring in my heart as I have listened to my two friends in ministry, uh, Pastor Hector Gonzalez and Pastor Jamie Chung Yu. So I'm going to pick up right where they left off. Uh, about two weeks ago, uh, Pastor Hector started off with a powerful, powerful word, people of the presence. Give it up for my man. Come on. Great job of a description of the access that we have to God's presence. And he used the tabernacle of Moses, which is one of my favorite illustrations concerning God's presence. I don't hang out in the outer court. I don't get stuck in the inner court. I have the ability to walk right into the Holy of Holies, into God's presence. And he did a great job of illustrating that. And then last week, Pastor Jamie Chong Yu, who is somewhere in the building, he's probably finishing up back there, uh, did a great, great job also of talking about people of the presence. And uh, I wasn't here last week. Brian and I were in Oxford, Mississippi watching Ole Miss win, which they did not do yesterday. And I'm still getting inner healing from that. Uh, But uh, we didn't get a chance to be here. But we listened to uh, Pastor Jamie. And right around Birmingham, we were shouting him down and just really get in there as he gave some great life principles concerning the presence of God and having purpose in the presence. Now, here's what Pastor Ron's going to talk about today. I'm going to pick right up where they left off with this topic right here, transformed by the presence. I don't want my life to look today like it did yesterday. I want to move forward from glory to glory, and that's what God's presence does in your life and in my life. And here's the main point that I'm going to try to get across to you today. If you don't get anything else, here is the foundational statement of what we're going to talk about today concerning God's presence. God's presence, listen to me now, God's presence transforms an experience to a lifestyle. Let me say it again. God's presence transforms an experience to a lifestyle. All of us want to experience God's presence, but I don't want a drive-by of God's presence. You know, I don't want to just kind of visit and keep on going. I don't want a visitation. I want a habitation. I want a habitation. Now, in order to have a habitation, I've got to have a visitation. Nothing wrong with that. 
The word visitation is in Scripture 14 times. So it's important. But I don't want to have just a visitation. I want God's presence to transform that experience to a lifestyle, making me consciously aware of God's presence all the time and what it can do in my life. Now, I'm going to use two verses that will be very familiar to you as we get into them today to describe what it means to have that lifestyle of God's presence. The first one is Psalm chapter 91, verse 1. Real familiar. Whoever dwells, everybody say dwells. dwells. Come on, say it like you mean it now. Dwells. Come on, say it one more time. Dwells. There you go. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, that word dwells there, listen to me, guys, is not just a point of theology. It can be that. Pastor Hector did a phenomenal job, as I said last week, of talking about the access that we have to God's presence. And he talked about the word dwells there, and it literally means tabernacles, the tabernacle of Moses, where the abiding presence of God rests. And so I can look at dwells tabernacles, dwells tabernacles, and I can make it a point of theology. It is not just a point of theology, it is a lifestyle. When I dwell in the secret place, the shelter of the Most High, I will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Here's what it does, guys. Get the principle. The presence of God develops an ongoing lifestyle of consciousness, of a consciousness of God's presence. Come on now, somebody. An ongoing lifestyle. As I said, I don't just drive by. I come in there and I hang out and I bring my pajamas. Come on, somebody. I hang out and stay because there is an ongoing lifestyle of the consciousness of God's presence. It transforms how I live. It transforms how I live. Look at the rest of Psalm 91. Now, I only gave you verse 1, but if I look at the rest of Psalm 91, here's how it starts unpacking to me. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, go down a few verses, will, ha ooh, will have no fear. Come on, somebody. I stay in the presence of God. I'm not afraid of nothing. I, I've got no opposition. And it goes on to tell me that. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will send 10,000 to flight. Got some spiritual badness going on. Why? It all begins, now don't miss this, it all begins with me dwelling in the presence of God, and as that takes place, there's no fear, and I will send my opposition to flight. And then it goes on to say, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, listen to this now, will cause angels to charge over thee. Come on now. Hey, look at the lifestyle. I dwell in the presence of God. I don't walk in any fear. I dwell in the presence of God. I can tell my opposite to hit the caboose. I dwell in the presence of God. I will cause an angel to watch over me and you and protect my life from beginning to end. Give Jesus praise right now. Now, that's the first verse, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, and I will say to the rock in my refuge, and he alone will I trust. There we go. The second verse I want to look at, I love this verse, and you do too. Romans chapter 12. 
And that's where we're going to camp out for a while. I'm going to unpack some things in Romans chapter 12 for you this morning that's going to bless your socks off if you got any socks on, okay? We'll see what happens. Now, a lot of times when we read Romans chapter 12, we kind of stop at those first two wonderful verses, and we kind of stop there. Nothing wrong with those verses, obviously. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And be not... Y'all need to shake yourself and wake up and say it one more time. And be not to this world, but be That's the one I'm looking for. Say it one more time. And be not transformed. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind that you may present to God, which is the perfect, accept, the, the good, the perfect, and the acceptable will of God. Here's what that scripture tells me. I dwell in the presence of God. I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm transformed by the presence of God. And as a result of that, the will of God is made evident in my life as a lifestyle. The will of God just flows out of you, man. You know, I, I understand the need a lot of times to pray for the will of God, pray for the will of God, pray for the will of God. I get that. But listen, when I dwell in the presence of God, Romans 12 says the will of God will just flow out of me. Come on, somebody. The will of God will flow out of me. Now, here's the first question. Why Romans 12? Why Romans 12? Well, in order to tell you that, I've got to give you a little bit of a context of Romans 12. And in order to do that, I'm going to back all the way up to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to do it in about five minutes, so don't pass out, okay? Here we go. So you see, if I don't give you context of this, all I'm going to do is give you a bunch of rules and regulations that we're not going to fulfill anyway, correct? So I want to give you some context as to why Romans chapter 12, and in order to do that, I'm going all the way back to Romans chapter 1. Here we go. Why Romans 12? Well, here it is. The first thing Paul starts off with in the book of Romans is our sinfulness, chapters 1 through 3. Hey, I've got a sin nature. I don't know if I want to admit it or not, but it's fact. I've got a sin nature. Because of the fall, I was born with a sin nature. The flesh and the spirit are always opposing one another. It's called the spirit of man and the carnality of man, always opposing one another. And that's just kind of where it all starts. Uh, one of the most well-known, I guess that's the way you would say it, atheists in the world said that every man is born with a selfishness gene. Now think about that. Everyone is born with a selfishness gene. And there's a lot of truth to that because I am self-preserving by nature. I'm looking out for number one. I am selfish. I'm greedy. I'm looking out for what's going on with me because of that selfishness. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, Pastor Ron, people are intrinsically good. You know, they're, they're okay. They're intrinsically good. They're all right. You know, uh, you know, if it's good for you, then let it be. If it's bad for you, then let it be. How many of you know that is amoralism? I'm creating my own morality. I'm creating my own morality. No, anybody that would say man is intrinsically good has never been around a toddler. Right? Come on. 
Hang around a toddler for just a few minutes. Gimme, 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 gimme. Mine, 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 mine. Mommy, 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 mommy. Mommy, 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 mommy. Why? That, that's, that selfish nature of gimme, it's mine. And that nature of our sin nature causes selfishness that will cause us to give in to our own, come on now, fleshly desires. Are you with me right now? So Paul starts off with our sinfulness, but uh, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to show us that, yes, we were born with a sin nature, but that sin nature has been eradicated by the work of the cross. I mean, it's defeated, chapters 4 through 5. I've got a sin nature, but Jesus' sacrifice, the work of the cross, his atonement, the blood of Christ has wiped out that sin nature and given me victory over it in Jesus' name. Well, five of you believe it, the rest of you ought to join in. You know, I, I love how Pastor Hector described this to us a couple of weeks ago because he was talking about the tabernacle of Moses and at the work of the cross, that big veil, come on now, was torn in two. It was torn in two. And there, listen to me now, there is no obstacle between me and my God. I don't hang out at the outer court. I don't get stuck in the inner court. I can march boldly into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God, because there's no obstacle between me and my Lord because of the sacrifice of the cross. Mm. So I was born with a sin nature, but that sin nature has been eradicated by the sacrifice of Christ. And then what happens? Then we have the Spirit's help, chapters 6 through 8. Holy Spirit comes along as we are living out this transformed life. Holy Spirit comes along, and the Bible calls Holy Spirit our helper, our counselor, our defense attorney. The word is parakletas. Literally, it means that he comes along beside us and says this, I am going to walk with you as you walk out that transformed life, and I'm not going out anywhere. I'm going to help you walk out that transformed life with total success. Hey, let, let me give you a scripture you're going to like. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Write it down if you're taking notes and go back and read this verse sometimes because you're going to love it, especially when Pastor Ron finishes with this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14 says this, that Holy Spirit is the guarantee, say guarantee, guarantee. the guarantee of our inheritance. Now listen to it again. Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. Here's what happens. I have a sin nature, but because of the cross, that sin nature has been eradicated, and then Holy Spirit comes alongside me and walks out that transformed lifestyle until one day I inherit what is rightfully mine. I, the bride, will become married to the bridegroom. And until that happens, Holy Spirit says, I ain't going nowhere. Oh, I. Come here, Barbara. Don't, don't, don't shake your head at me. It ain't their fault. Give them a word. 
I thought about this this morning on my own. In case you haven't met, this is my wife, Barbara Sue. We've been married for 43 years. She got married when she was 12. Let me have your engagement ring. Well, it doesn't matter. It's okay. I thought about this earlier when I was backstage praying early this morning, and all of a sudden it came to me that uh, this is a good illustration of what Holy Spirit does, because on February the 7th, 1979, at Bowie Hall in Springfield, Missouri, I got in front of this beautiful lady, and I said... I said, will you marry me? And thanks be unto God, she said yes. Because if not, I would be standing up here looking like a complete lunatic. <laughs> and so when that took place, well, here's what, here's what happened when that took place. I put a ring on her finger and I said, will you marry me? And here's what I'm going to do. There is going to come a day to where we will stand at the altar of the Lord and we will pr pronounce covenant. And you, the bride, will be joined to your bridegroom. But until that day comes, July the 14th, 1979, until that day comes, I ain't going nowhere. And I'm going to walk with you until we get to the altar of the Lord. You know what I started to say? Until you get to the altar of the Lord and receive your prize. Come on, somebody. That's what I started to say, but I'm not going to say that until the bride is joined to the bridegroom. Guys, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I did, Holy Spirit slipped a spiritual engagement ring on my finger and said, you're, one day you're going to be joined to the bridegroom, and until that day happens, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to walk with you in this transformed life in Jesus' name. Okay, help her down, Tom. That's the beauty of what Jesus has done. That's why Romans chapter 12, now the last one. I have a sin nature, but it's been eradicated by the cross, and then Holy Spirit comes along with me and helps me out and walks with me, and then what I do in my transformed life is I walk out God's sovereign plan in my life. Man, Hector and I, we, we love the sovereignty of God, don't we, baby? Man, I love the sovereignty of God. You know why? God is not only in control, He is in charge. <clears throat> he is in charge. See, if God was only in control, People could call him a manipulator. God's not a control freak. He's in control, but he's also in charge. So what he's doing is he's making sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to go so that you and I can rightfully receive our, his desired end. He can bring us to where we're supposed to be. And he doesn't do, do it by manipulation. He does it by leading. Come on now. He's in, hey, you know what? There are no emergency meetings in heaven. Hey, God didn't get up today and wring his hands and say, oh my goodness, what are we going to do today? What are we going to do? Gas prices 
are going up at the kangaroo in Jonesville. What are we going to do? What, what, what are we going to do today? The stock market is all over the place. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Russia and the Ukraine are at war with that guy named Putin. Now, come on, be honest with me. If that was your last name, would you change your last name? Would you? Sure you would. What are we going to do? Oh, no, what are we going to do? Alabama lost. Oh, no. What are we going to do? There are no emergency meetings in heaven. God says this, I will take care of you, and I know you from the beginning to the end. Hallelujah. So that's why we're looking at Romans chapter 12, and that brings us to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Here we go. This is what we're going to unpack. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, as you can tell, what I want to highlight really are two words that we talk a lot about in Christianity, God's favor and God's mercy. We probably talk a little bit more about God's favor than we do God's mercy, not one more important than the other. But I want to define them for you for just a moment as we get ready to unpack Romans chapter 12. God's favor, you know it this way, un merited favor. God does a favor for you that you don't deserve. He does something for you and I that we don't deserve. He opens a door that I could not open. He creates a path that I could not walk down. It's God's unmerited, I don't deserve it, come on somebody, but He does it anyway. It's His favor. I have a friend, he told me a story one time. He said when he was a kid, about two weeks before Christmas every year, his mom would sit the kids down just right before Christmas and say, kids, you're not getting any presents for Christmas this year. You don't deserve it. You've been bad. You've misbehaved. You didn't even make the naughty list. So you're not getting anything. Can you imagine how dejected you would feel as a kid and your mom, not some stranger on the street, but your mom told you you're not getting any presents this year. Can you imagine how dejected you would feel? And then Christmas morning, every year, they would get up, and the room was full of presents. And he, she would look at her kids and say, you know what? You didn't deserve it, but out of my love for you, I'm doing it anyway. And that's what God does for us. I know I don't deserve a reward. I know I don't deserve favor. I know I don't deserve his leading, his guiding, and his taking care of me, but out of his love, he does it for me anyway. Come on, somebody. He does it for you and I anyway. And then there's God's mercy. God's mercy, uh, again, we don't talk about it quite as much. We ought to talk about it a lot more, right? Why? Because his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. I'm going to say it one more time till you shout. His mercies are new every morning. Now, what is mercy? Grace is unmerited favor. Mercy is unreceived penalty. See, understand this. God, God not only gives, He withholds. I know I deserve a penalty. God withholds it. I know I deserve punishment. God withholds it. 
I know I deserve what I rightfully deserve, but God withholds it. So I've got this pivot, grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, mercy. And he does the same thing. Paul does the same thing in Ephesians chapter 4. He goes back and forth between grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, mercy. And then he says, as a result of these things, walk out the calling that is worthy of Christ Jesus. I got grace and mercy, but I don't stop there. Now what I do is I walk out that transformed life. And that's what we're going to unpack in Romans chapter 12. The transformed life as a result of God's presence in your life. You see, we are the people of the presence. We have purpose in the presence, but my life, oh, I love this, is transformed by His presence. I'm better today than I was yesterday. I'm stronger today than I was yesterday. Come on, somebody transformed by his presence. All right, here we go. We're going to talk about being transformed, a transformed life as a result of God's presence. Here we go. Love, I'm going to read the whole thing and then we're, come, we're going to come back and break it down. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. I love this last phrase. Come on now. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Tell me that's not a transformed life. Tell me that's not a transformed life. See, here it is. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. I'm not conformed to this world, but I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. And then I live out, as I said, this is the rest of Romans chapter 12, specifically 9 through 12, love must be sincere, and so on and so forth. Let's unpack this little by little. Love must be sincere. I See, without God's presence, my love is not sincere. Come on now, it's fake. I'm playing games, baby. My love is bogus. It's religious. It's self-serving at best. But my love, because of God's presence, I've been transformed to possess a godlike love that is sincere. You know what the word sincere there literally means? In the original language, the word sincere, listen to this. The word sincere means without wax. <laughs> kind of different, right? Where'd that come from? Without wax. Well, ride with me for just a second. Roll your mind back to those days of Greek culture, and there were those Greek statues everywhere. You remember those things? Well, what would happen is the sun would beat down on those Greek statues, and they would crack. And so they would come along and cover those cracks with wax. And then what would happen is the sun would come out again and melt the wax. And so they would cover it again. But when my love is sincere, I do not have to hide my blemishes because God loves me anyway. And I don't have to worry about the heat of life getting turned up because I'm going to walk in a sincere love that if the heat gets turned up, I might fail, but thank God for the power of His forgiveness and His redemption. Get back on track, but I'm going to walk as a result of my transformed life of sincere love. Hate what is evil hate 
what is evil. Get the principle down. Write it down. God's presence makes me disturbed by wrong. Write it down. God's presence makes me disturbed by wrong. Understand something, guys, and you know this as well as I do. God's presence can't abide with evil. Light, dark, good, evil. Can't do it. And when I have a life that is transformed by God's presence, I don't sit there and say, well, you know, it's just, it's just the culture of the day. It's just the time that we live in. No, I'm disturbed by what's going on in culture. I hate racism. I hate prejudice. I hate lying. I hate anger. I hate jealousy. I hate abortion. Why? Because God's presence shows me that that is evil, and I want to walk in the light of the gospel of God. Disturbed. Not, not accepting of it. Well, as I told you a minute ago, amoralism, well, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's okay with them, but it's not with me. No, 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 no. Let me tell you one person it's not okay with, and that's God Almighty. That's one, one it's not okay with. So I hate evil, but I cling to what is good. I celebrate good. You know one of the things I love? Listen to this now. I love about the presence of God. God doesn't just show me by his presence what is evil. He shows me what is good. Why? Because he's a good, good father. He is a good, good father. Right now, if I was Jamie Chung Yu, I would sing. But that would be evil. <laughs> hey, what's that song you sang in, in, in wherever we are? Worship this morning. The second song. Yeah, the goodness of God. The running after me. Come here, baby. You. Either one, I don't care. Hand me that announce mic. Stand with me right now. Come on. Come on, come on. Stand with me. Are you listening to me? All right. We're going to sing it together. Come on. Let's worship Jesus. He's a good, good father. Come on. Let's worship Jesus. Go ahead. See, announce Mike. Sorry. I, this is a curveball for those guys. You ready? That's okay. <laughs> no, just, just a little of it. Come on, let's worship Jesus. Come on, Shiraz. Jump in there, baby. Oh, okay. Oh, thank God. Hallelujah. This is unplanned, so, so it doesn't matter. Come on, worship Jesus. Worship. Worship God. Worship God. And all my life you have been so, so good. Oh, worship Jesus. With every breath that I am able. Worship Jesus. Oh, I will sing Thank you, of the goodness you, of God. Keep on singing, baby. Come on. All my life. And all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so good Good, 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 Father With every breath that I am able 
gonna sing of the goodness of God. One more time. One more time. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. Amen. 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 Come on, give Jesus one more praise and say thank you. That was totally impromptu. And you can be seated. Now, come on, be honest with me. How many of you are glad Kristen sang that? Yeah. He's a good, good father. I celebrate the good because he is a good, good father. And there's, listen to me, guys, regardless of what is going on in your life and my life, there's always good. There's always good. I was, I was with my grandson, Logan, the other day, and we were out in the woods doing something, and things just weren't going right. They just weren't going right. And I said, and we worked through it, and I said, you know what, Logs, there is a, there's a, good, there's a positive side to everything. He said, and, and he spoke up and said, you're right, Pops, there's always good in everything we do. And I said, look at this guy go, <laughs> teaching the old man a lesson. But there's a, we, there is, we, are, he, we serve a good, good father. All right, let's keep on. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Yeah. Honor there. Write it down in your notes, guys. Honor is the verbal expression of love. Honor is the verbal expression of love. And you know what? There are times in our lives where we don't only honor the honorable. There are times I am called to be obedient to God and honor the unhonorable. Now, that's a tough place. That's a tough place. I was talking to Jim Gilbert before service, and I asked his permission. He's over there somewhere. I saw him. There he is, yeah. And I asked his permission Wednesday night, and you need to be here Wednesday night as he finishes up his three-part series. This past Wednesday night, he told one of the most heart-moving stories I've heard in a while of how he had to honor his father, his earthly father, when his earthly father was really not in an honorable place. And Jim chose to do what was right according to the word of the Lord and honor his dad when nothing of natural evidence would say honor him. And he did it anyway. And the end of the story, come on somebody, the end of the story was the redemption of God. See, when I honor even the unhonorable, God has the ability to take control and take in charge. Why? He's a sovereign God. He has the ability, when I do what is right, to allow myself to get out of the way, and He does what He is so capable of doing. Sometimes, guys, your parents aren't going to deserve honor. You honor them anyway, man. Your siblings aren't going to deserve honor. You honor them anyway. 
Your boss is not going to deserve honor. You honor them anyway. And then God, here we go now, God opens up a door of favor on your behalf. Because you and I did what is right. Where am I? Honor one another. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Here it is. God's presence causes my spiritual fervor to keep burning. It keeps the fire burning. There is a flame at the tomb of John Fitzgerald Kennedy. It's called the eternal flame. It never goes out. It never goes out. Now, here's what happens. It's burning, 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 and the wind will blow that flame over, and it will blow that flame over, but it never blows the flame out. My understanding of life is there's going to be times that the winds of life is going to blow my fire over. It's going to blow my fire over, but God's presence does not allow my fire to be burned out or to be blown out. It keeps the fire burning. Now get this, fervor unmotivated by God's presence, unmotivated by God's presence is at best burnout, is at worst legalism. Is that good? Did you get what I said? Fervor that's unmotivated you know what I'm going to do? I, I, I'm going to be, I'm, just, I'm going to get tired, man. I'm going to want to quit. I'm going to want to give up. But my fervor, when it's motivated by God's presence, whoo, I catch that extra Isaiah wind and I keep going. And when it's unmotivated by God's presence, I keep doing things I'm supposed to do, but I do it by writ and regulation, not joy. But when my fervor is moved by God's presence, it keeps me moving the right way. And then the last one, here we go. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now listen, there are many of us that need to get this in our spirit, memorize it, and live in it, especially if we are college football fans. Right now, I'm trying to be patient in affliction. I am a Florida fan and an Ole Miss fan, and they both got beat by LSU. They could have been beat by anybody in the world, and I wouldn't have cared. LSU? Crazy Cajuns? Where am I? There we go. Thank you. On to more important things. Hey, understand something, guys. In this life, I'm going to have to deal with struggles. I'm going to have to deal with challenges. But as long as there is breath in my body, there is hope in Jesus Christ. As long as there is breath in my body, I'm going to be patient in my affliction. As long as there is breath in my body, I'm going to be faithful in prayer, and I'm going to let His presence rule and reign and transform my life to get me where God wants me to be. So I'm going to be able to walk that out. All right, so let's read it again. Read it out loud. Amen. I dwell 
in God's presence, and God's presence creates a lifestyle in me. All right, here we go. Let's, let's wrap this up. I'm almost done. God's presence transforms how we live. How does God's presence transform how I live? Write it down. God's presence causes us to love as we have been loved by God. I, I can't love the way God loves without His presence. At best, as I said a minute ago, what happens is my love becomes legalism. I keep doing things because I'm supposed to do them, and I, I perform, if I can use that word, the way I'm supposed to quote-unquote perform, but I'm not loving the way God loves. At best, it's legalism. Or here it is, here it is, here it is. I love to get, not give. That's not God's love. For God so loved the world that He, His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would, but... God loved to give. God didn't love to get. This is the principle you got to write down. Love, here, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. I love this principle right here. It's a little long. So if you take some time to write it down, I'll go slow. Nothing on earth compares with pleasing the heart of God. Guys, I can do all kinds of things. I can have all kinds of accomplishments. I can do all kinds of things that by the world's standards, they look really good. I'm a big deal. But the reality is nothing is going to bring satisfaction to my soul like pleasing the heart of God. Nothing is going to bring that deep inner satisfaction like knowing in my spirit, God says, I am proud of you, my child. Man, that's a beautiful feeling that you and I have the privilege of receiving. Here we go. Nothing compares with pleasing the heart of God. His presence is not an issue of whether or not I'm going to heaven, get this, but how much of heaven do I want right now? I don't have to wait until I get to the, the heavenly place of ultimate God presence. I can enjoy the presence, the heavenly presence of God right now. I can enjoy God's presence right now. And as I said a minute ago, Pastor Hector did a great job. Let's get this in my spirit. As I live this life, trying to see my life transformed, I'm not stuck in the outer court. I'm not hoping I get through the inner court, but I enjoy the presence of God as I march into the Holy of Holies, the ultimate place of God's presence. How much of God's presence do you want, baby? Come on, how much of God's presence do you want? You have access to it. There's no obstacle. There's no obstacle. Number two, write it down. His presence transforms how we live. I, I, how we live. I love this one. His presence cultivates, get this now, a passion for serving. One more time. I'm going to give you a second chance. His passion creates and cultivates a passion for serving. See, if, if, if there's no presence of God in my life, I'm not really going to care about serving God's people in God's kingdom. I'm going I'm to show up on Sunday and do my thing, baby. I'm going to show up on Sunday and, 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 and wave to everybody and put on the plastic fantastic and everything's going to seem great. And I'm just going to do my thing. Not, not serving God with joy, but just putting in the time that I think I'm supposed to put in. 
No, his presence cultivates a passion for serving. Here we go. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Get this principle. Serving connects people with purpose. Not only empowering themselves, but the entire body of Christ. Every joint supplies. Hey, can you imagine what it would be like, baby, if we showed up here next Sunday and there was not a Jamie Chong Yu or a Kristen Hewish or a Sherrod or all the team that was in there. And we walked in and there was nobody on this platform. Worship team's on strike. Me and Pastor George would be leading worship. <laughs> what you laughing at? <laughs> Could you imagine what that would be like? It would be, it'd be rough, man. But what happens? We walk into this beautiful building and we have this beautiful team serving the purposes of God and leading us into the worship of our Heavenly Father. And who does it affect? It affects you, 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 you. It affects every one of us because they have chosen to serve the entire body of Christ. What would it be like? We're not having jam today, Pastor. Are you kids going in the auditorium? You're, you're, not, you're not important. No jam today. No, no kids ministry. It'd be a mess, man. But, but it's not like that here at the Rock of Gainesville. Why? Because we have cultivated an atmosphere of serving. Now, without it, it affects the entire body. If you want to know how that affects your body, stop for two minutes and talk to Pastor George. He had hip surgery. It's right here. It affects his whole body. He had hip surgery. It's right here. It affects his whole body. The same thing happens when the body of Christ when we don't do our part, it affects the whole body. It's only one person. No, 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 no. It's one multiplied by a whole lot and the whole body gets affected. I'm not putting legalism or bondage on you. I'm saying, look, do this right here. Empower the whole body because you love to serve God's kingdom. Not Pastor Ron, God's kingdom. Number three, here we go. I'm almost done, I promise. His presence makes me patient in affliction. His presence makes me patient in affliction. Romans chapter 12, verse two, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. I'm gonna go right on to this point right here. here you gotta get this, man. Don't worry about meeting opposition for obeying God. Worry about it when you don't because you're probably not obeying God. Hey, look, you, you follow God, you're going to get opposition. I've told you before, and I've taught this principle for 25 years. The process of you and I walking out our Christianity, I'm either in a trial, I'm coming out of a trial, or I'm going into a trial. That's just the way it is. But what I do is I find myself not worrying about the affliction. I con I'm concerned about pleasing the Father and walking in His presence. And number four, God's presence transforms how we live because God's presence gives us a burden for the lost. Without God's presence, it is all about me, baby. 
With God's presence, I take my eyes off myself. Listen to Pastor Ron as I close. I take my eyes off myself and I see a lost, hurting, and dying culture that needs the redemption of God. Without God's presence, I'm doing my thing. Selfish by nature. With God's presence, I'm going to do everything I can to be a testimony of Jesus. A testimony of Jesus. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Here's the principle. Achieving greatness. Oh, I love this, man. I love this. Achieving greatness in the kingdom of God is impossible without recognizing greatness in others. He who is last will be first. Jesus took on the form of a servant and obeyed unto death, even death on a cross. He's Luke chapter 19. Go back and read it sometime. Luke chapter 19, specifically 41 through 44. Jesus sat on the hillside and overlooked Jerusalem. And the Bible says he wept because he looked at that city and he was concerned they would miss their what? Their visitation. We've already talked about it. They would miss their visitation. He looked at that city and wept because, wept rather, because he was concerned they would not reach their potential. That's the Father heart of God. He looks at you and is moved because He does not want you to miss your potential. He does not want you to miss your greatness. He does not want you to miss out on His presence. Stand with me, please. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you so much today for your word. I thank you so much for these wonderful people. Father, I thank you so much for the truths of the gospel of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the presence of God that does so many great things in our lives. And right now, as we come in this moment, I pray for the presence of Holy Spirit to do what only Holy Spirit can do, and that's draw people into your kingdom draw people into your kingdom. Father, there are people in this room that have sat under this word this morning, and they've come to a place of confrontation. Am I going to allow my life to conform, or am I going to see my life transformed by God's presence? They've come to a place of confrontation, and they've got to make a decision. I have conformed to this world. I've conformed to my wants. I've conformed to my desires, and this is where I am now. What I want is to be transformed by the work of the cross. And there are people in this room that are sitting in that place right now. And so, Holy Spirit, I just release your drawing power, your loving, compassionate drawing power to be over them in such a way that they will see, not out of guilt and condemnation, but they will see, come face to face with the position of their life and eradicate that spirit of compromise and conforming, conform, being conformed and that you will transform them by the blood of Jesus Christ. Nobody's looking around, just a second. That's who you are right now. Hear, hear the voice of Pastor Ron, but more importantly, hear the voice of Holy Spirit. You're sitting in this room today, and you say, Pastor Ron, I have conformed, conformed, conformed. I've conformed to my own wants. I've conformed to my own wishes. I've conformed to my own desires. I've conformed to culture, and this is where I am unsatisfied, hurting, 
empty. And what I want right now is my life to be transformed by that work of the cross that you talked about in just a, oh, just a moment ago. I've conformed to so many things. I'm breaking that now. And I want to be transformed by accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, turning my life over to Him and letting that thing be transformed by His power. Would you please pray for me? Put your hand up right where you are right now. Yes, 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 yes. Right now, one more time. Put it up right where you are. Yes, in the back, sweetie. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Come on, give Jesus an ovation of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. I love how Jesus makes things so simple for us. He said it real plainly, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you shall be saved. That's it. So we're all going to pray together all across this room. And if you raise your hands, all I'm going to ask you to do is pray what we pray. I'm going to lead out. All I'm going to ask you to do is to pray and then mean it in your heart. Declare it in your heart. And Jesus is going to come into your life and forgive you of your sins. Old things are going away. Everything's becoming new in Jesus' name. Let's all pray together. Come on, pray together out loud. Father, in Jesus' name. I come to you right now and I ask you, Father, to forgive me of my sins. I make a declaration that I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I do say now, Lord, I have been trying to control my life. I'm relinquishing the reins of my life and I'm turning my life over to you putting my life in your hands. And here's what I ask, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Take all that old junk, wipe it away, make everything new. Transform my life. No longer conformed, but changed for the new by the power of the cross. And Father, I say thank you. Your promise is that you will do it I'm believing right now that you're doing it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord an ovation of praise. Two things real quick, and then we're going to go into our prayer and our worship time. If you raised your hands and you made a declaration, we don't want you walking that out on your own. We want to walk alongside you and help you. So if you want that in your life, you made any kind of decision for Jesus and you want that in your life, go to uh, the rock, go, go to next step at therockonline.org, next steps at therockonline.org and just let us know. And someone will be in contact with you and we'll do our best to walk, walk along with you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.